when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Wah wah. So I'm Danielle Riendo, and this is no, Playboy that, Radio. That was the cold open. That was it. <laughs> Episode today. 142. You didn't? Okay. That was my cold open. Did you like it? <laughs> Normally, it seems like you like, liked it. Then article. Is there more to the song? <laughs> we usually start with an article, but this I felt this was more appropriate. For, what are the rest uh, of the lyrics to that song? Oh, well, I know the inappropriate They've been, they've been sold in liquidation. We don't have the rest of the lyrics. Oh, <laughs> They're no. gone. They're gone. All that remains is that first part of the song. Bain Capital, like, sold them in a deck pa- <laughs> debt packaging deal. <laughs> I didn't realize that Bain Capital was yes. the one handling liquidation. There is something, mm, okay. Well, like, the whole thing is tied up in weird, like, hyper-capitalism, like, packaged uh, risk shit, isn't it? It is it sure is um and we're gonna dive right into that here in waypoint radio episode 142 of course you've heard the voices of rob zachney hey what's up everybody patrick klepik financial expert patrick klepik here to explain the bankers you guys is facing toys or us uh, and austin walker that's that's me i i remember there's an ad playing on this cnn money page that i'm trying to read currently <laughs> and it's interrupting my toys r us nostalgia god damn it oh it well, stopped we're good so, now so so all right i guess we should explain why what happened here all right so there's the bank capital element there is toys r us going into liquidation there's a lot going on here does does anyone who has followed this very closely care to explain? Uh, Patrick, you are the financial expert here. What 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 yeah. the fuck happened to Toys R Us? I mean, the short the short version is that Amazon uh, or well, no, Amazon, mm, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. Help, right? Uh, to, to, Toys R Us, like you know, didn't really uh, uh, position themselves uh, to handle the rise of e commerce, and at some point just got too far behind the eight ball on that, and then uh, combined with that. Uh, they uh, actually kind of came under siege by like smaller, more boutique toy places. They didn't uh, make a, a pivot really to making it like easy to like play and interact with toys in a way that they started getting eaten on both ends. Um, and I mean, certainly the e-commerce uh, it was <laughs> more uh, responsible for sort of the, the beginning of the end for uh, Toys R Us, but like they they really were being hit from uh, multiple fronts. And so uh, last year, uh, there were a number of stores that were going out of business. Uh, it wasn't the entire like hundred plus uh, Toys R Us uh, places across the country, um, including one of them was like the, the one closest to me. Um, and I've been going there every couple of weeks, like wondering when, like, I obviously mm-hmm. feel terrible for like the 30,000 workers that are losing their jobs. But it's a also, lot of like, people. That's like yeah, a lot of people. It, yeah. It's a huge, uh, like, and I, like actually like, like the, like 
decline in like retail jobs is like an undercovered like mm-hmm. part of like things that have been happening in an otherwise like okay ish like improving economy but like retail is like not doing particularly well um and so yeah there was a a, a, like a couple dozen stores i want to say that were going under um and then recently like the thought was like oh those will go under maybe we can sell the rest of the stores or blah 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 and basically whatever they were attempting to do didn't work out um they are now closing uh every uh, toys r us uh retail realtor uh they're liquidating all the inventory um and yeah it's going to uh, mean like the loss of, I believe, around 30,000 uh, retail jobs in the next 60 days. No job and no severance. That's the headline, it looks like, on CNN Money. 31,000 jobs, no job and no severance. That's Well, they, got no, they have no money, right? Like, so the, right. Bain, you know, the way liquidation works, when Bain Capital comes in, uh, you know, those firms, the money goes to the shareholders, the debt holders, like the last people that go right. to I mean, they- are the workers that, that make the, the whole thing work. So that was the thing that I was I was getting at actually in the the intro, not just the general notion of consumerism and, and commercialism, but that like Toys R Us was like five bill in debt, five billion dollars in Oof. debt, and each year all it was able to do with its inc- with its with its you know profit was try to keep that debt paid down. It was paying down four hundred million dollars in interest payments alone each year, God. and so like it didn't That's have not capital. How you get out of debt? <laughs> it's not how you get out of debt if you're paying four hundred million dollars in interest. And and my understanding is that there was also some degree of like the the larger company uh, of investors that ran Toys R Us just kind of mishandling some of that stuff on top of the money it was hemorrhaging. There were, like, more loans were being piled onto it, and it was kind of being kicked around in terms of, like, it was a place to, like, move money a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Toys R Us. We're just, we're just going to put it in Toys R Us. That sort of thing. Uh, and that didn't help. You know, and again, I think the, the core thing is yeah. definitely what y'all got to, which is, like, the internet and boutique retailers really, really chomped up their business. But, you know, Wall Street Wall Street is just going to do what Wall Street does. Well, and we're seeing this happen a lot this week in media as well, yeah. right? Like right now, there's major layoffs going on at Trunk. Uh, Excuse me, yeah, what was that? Can we, can we, just in case people don't know what that means, because... It's, um, it's actually the, the name for Luigi's dick. Yep, oh, my Trunk. God. And is it that, is what four inches flaccid. That's what we. I that's what we came down on here. Or how did we? We're so far away from Luigi's dick. How did we? I don't. I don't are think we, we are. Austin. Austin. Are we though? I don't it think depends we depends on how big it is. <laughs> it's the only answer because if it's really big, then it's not that far. What if the universe is actually uh, Luigi's wanna, dick? I just. Can we talk about Toys R Us? It's like a tree trunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toys R Us? They sell tree trunks? They should. If they, they sell do. Luigi uh, Amiibo. It's a it's a children's tri- toy store. Trunk owns a bunch of uh, newspapers. They own the Chicago Tribune. The Tribune just got hit with a bunch of layoffs uh, a couple days ago. The Denver, and they're still better they, than Zell, by the way. Uh, they're still better than Sam Zell. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> But the, they are, the, they're the, also the called Trunk, po- which is the funniest name of anything ever. The so. Denver Post got hit with like a huge amount of layoffs earlier this week. But which both like, those and stories. Both, and both yes. of them are not because they are financially insolvent. It's just because money people are coming in yep. and like finding ways to make more money as opposed to like, oh shit, like like it's not part of the larger media narrative of like media is doing bad. Like we got to do whatever we can to keep this solvent. It's like, nah, like Denver Post was like making like something like $30 million a year. They didn't need to, to shave off a bunch of fucking jobs. Nope. Uh... Sorry, Rob, you were, you were introducing that point though. No, I mean, that was basically it, though, was that, like, there's always an element of, well, this company didn't change with the times. It's a tough market out there for these sort of 
uh, old-fashioned companies representative of, of an old form of, of the economy. But that really lets off the hook the fact that, like, in a lot of cases, it's almost like capital laundering, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you are taking assets or profits out of a business that is succeeding or at least is solvent and sustainable to finance other potentially higher yield bets uh, somewhere else. And in return, you're taking the old business and in a lot of cases, like loading it up with debt. And then, ta- again, it's sort of like having – you're sort of treating the the company like credit card, right? And you're running up the debt on that. But at the end of the day, you can always liquidate that company and declare bankruptcy. And all the material assets have been tra- transferred out. Uh, so I think that's another element of a lot of this is that – a lot of this stuff looks inevitable from the way, you know, the economy and the world is moving, but it's not as inevitable as stories often make it out to be. Yeah, right. there was a really great uh, tweet that encapsulates a, a lot of this. It was Julie Muncie was tweeting about the, the whole the, this whole thing, and uh, she wrote, Imagine trying to explain to your kids that the toy store is gone because some rich people used it to erase their own debt. Like, <laughs> it's a very, like... Oh, yeah, you know, the the sort of uh, hard line that people usually use for, you know, the, the sort of libertarian dream or the free market uh, is like, oh, yes, you know, you work hard, you have a successful business, uh, you, you'll do well, and that's beautiful, and it's it's the marketplace, and it's like, no, actually, there's so many loopholes for, for rich people to basically <laughs> use these things as they will, uh, and, and you know, of course, who who always gets screwed is, is the folks on the bottom. Is the 31,000 people who aren't exactly. getting, right, exactly. uh-huh, yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is a crappy toy store, though. <laughs> like, yeah. I haven't been in one. It used to be. I haven't I, been in one in a long time. I at Toys R Us, actually. Really? Yeah, as a teenager. What did you do? Um, so I was just sort of like holiday help. You know, they, okay. they used to staff up around, uh, you know, October, November, right. December. Uh, and I was just sort of one of those scrubs. And it was actually in uh, 2001. So it was right after 9-11 that I was, I was working in Toys R Us, which was a hell of a time. Uh, to be working at a Toys R Us. It was very interesting because the pitch that I was given when I sort of, you know, applied, I was a, a, a senior in high school, uh, was like, oh, a lot of parents really want to give their kids a nice, extra nice Christmas because the world is really scary right now. That was like the pitch I was given, mm-hmm. which is very interesting uh, looking back on that, especially I, I was a kid, you know, I was 17 at the time. Um and yeah, so what I did was I mostly uh, cleaned up aisles and and put things where they should have been and helped people like find the right toys. Uh, there was a uh, there was a lot of really weird and interesting things about Toys R Us. There was like a very gendered like boys and girls section, but because it was corporate, they had to call it like action adventure and then like pretty princesses or whatever. I forget what the um what the girl you know quote unquote girls section was actually called, but it was yeah. called something like you know. Basically, they it was the girls section that nobody called the girls section because it would corporate would get mad at you, but it was really like the most gendered bullshit ever in the universe. Of course. Um, and then of course there was like the science and discovery section, which had the Legos and also the sciencey toys and also the craft toys. Uh, it was an interesting time. It was a very interesting and weird retail job. Uh, this is also during the time where the GameCube had just come out. It, it, it came out like during November, I think. So, so during that time, so I uh, I worked in the video game section uh, for a little while, like ringing people up, uh, you know, doing cashier work. And I remember 
bringing up many a GameCube when we sort of had them in stock. So I remember the rushes for that sort of thing. It was a weird and interesting experience uh, working at Toys R Us. I, it sounds like it. <laughs> for sure. So uh, I guess we can we can talk, uh, if, if we're done talking about the shitty capitalist part <sighs> of this, which uh, we don't have to be. I'm never uh, done with that. I guess there's also the the happier side of Toys R Us. I, I mean, I personally have a lot of fond memories of going to Toys R Us. I don't know if you guys uh, yeah, man, went those, to Toys R Us. I was more of a slips KB of paper. Those slips of yes! paper. I'm all about those slips of paper. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's like a, a pretty – the early, some early, like, I did good on my report card. I'm going to get a game. Like, mm-hmm. my dad's going to take me to Toys R Us. Got, I got straight A's. Like – all right, you had to you had to decide. Like I just there was a, there was one of the interesting things about Toys R Us in general, or like that sort of toy shopping and game shopping for me as a kid, was that there was always a sort of like you got to be an informed consumer <laughs> like <laughs> aspect to it. Where my dad was like, you can get one game. Like you go look at the wall, you go look at the back of all the the boxes or whatever, uh, and then you pick that slip out, and then you bring it up front, and you know we'll pay for it and go to the little weird box where they're going to give you the game from from. Uh, and but I, I just have like so many fond memories of just pouring over the back of game boxes or looking through like you know uh, uh, you know line after line of action figure to see if there was like the hidden good like all right. Let me see if they have Weapon X Wolverine hidden deep in the back behind <laughs> all the Cyclopses. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's in one of the other toy ones. Like Some other kid was like, I'm yes, coming back yes, for this, yes. so I'm going to put it behind this other one. Because exactly. I totally did that where I was like, ah, like... Like, I remember uh, one time, like, taking a slip for a game that, like, you know, I, yeah, I was only getting one. I was like, but what if this game is sold out? Because that was also part of it. it. was like, you had in your mind, like, I was looking at EGM. This is the game I want. I'm right. going to go get that slip. Yes. And if the papers were not there, that game was sold out. Yeah. Right. And, and, then, your, and your parents were not interested in, like, coming back another time, finding no. out when the inventory was back. It was like, <gasps> well, go figure out what, like, plan B was. It's like, Ma, there ain't no plan B. Plan B is... I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to sit here for a while and figure out what plan B is because I'm not leaving here without a video game. That's not plan B. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yep. It was It was weird. Well, or, uh, lots of like, weird games that way. True yeah, Lies, um, the video game for SNES, let what? me tell you. Um, or or it was the, the, good. the instance where um, uh, not all games are uniformly priced in the way that like we sort of think about. I mean, obviously there's a price distribution happening now, yeah, like, especially yeah, yeah. digitally. But, like, you know, at a certain point it became, like, oh, games are, you know, it was, that was a big deal during the Xbox 360 when they were, like, raising the price $10 because there was a certain uniformity in terms of what you expected to pay for a video game. Well, shit, like, during the, 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 the especially the SNES and the N64 era, like, during the cartridge era, like, that shit wildly varied based on how much RAM was inside each of those carts. Oh, yeah. And I remember specifically uh, RPGs were priced out higher because they were tend to be longer games and, and use more of that stuff or had a mode 7 chip like I remember not being able to get Super <laughs> Mario RPG because that game cost 10 more dollars my mom was like you're not getting that and it was like 79 dollars or something like that like it was like some of those games were fucking expensive and the only way you found that out was going down that aisle looking at that slip and mom wagging her head and saying that sorry you're not getting that game and I was like mm. oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was that was a, a weird thing during that time was uh it, it's not even just the pricing but also like the I didn't read video game magazines until like a little later on so when I was like 8 or 9 it was 100% that box art like right. it was 100% like okay this this looks good or I saw it 
somewhere or I saw like a cool commercial for it. I was a dumb child. Like I had no actual real sense of, of like, oh, this is this is going to be good or this this won't be good. I mean, game rentals also sort of played into this. And I definitely oh, totally, did totally. a lot of, uh, you know, I would rent a game and then later it'd be like, no, I want to buy that one, you know, for Christmas or for my birthday, basically. Like I got well, games like, on Christmas and my time. birthday. You had the time for for me. The thing that was that's like so different now is I only the, for now the the thing that's different is like in a weird way game rentals are are would make sense now because you would just have your save on your system. Right. But at the time, I would rent games like RPGs and like put in twenty hours or whatever. And then <laughs> buy save, buy save. I bought. Some, I mean, my mom someone got else is going to someone's going to pick up where you left yeah, off. Exactly. And like, oh, I guess I got this game for my birthday, and that means now I'm going to pick up that. I'm going to start completely over. But that was an opportunity, you know. That was an opportunity to see stuff you didn't see well, the first time. Did you ever do the thing where you like you'd already like paid like extended the loan and like paid some late fees and you had to return it? You go back, but you're like giving it a day so you can check it out again, and you're just like, I hope, I hope my save's still there. I hope it survives. And like a lot of times it didn't. Like if you were playing something that was like new, a lot of times like that was gone. But occasionally I would be, you know, you know, at the end of the week, it's time for my next game rental. Uh, and I'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll be in luck and I'll get my copy again. Right. Right. Or, or has it slipped away? Have you gone in hoping to find it again? Only to see that it's gone, or worse, it's back, but it's a different cartridge, yep. or someone yep. deleted your save. Yep. Yeah. 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 Those are the days. Was- I had uh, this this <sighs> instance where because uh, I, I was really into video games as a kid, and you know, so so I was usually getting things earlier just because I was like more like hip to it and aware when like things are being uh, released and like pushing that on like my birthdays and coordinating like Christmas yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of my friends were into games that just kind of came later, or like they would. I would be the the guinea pig where it's like, okay, what are the cool games? Like, all right, I'm going to make sure I go get those. And, like, mm-hmm. my parents get around to getting me, like, a SNES. And when uh, my, my best friend down the street, uh, his parents are like, all right, we're, like, we're going to upgrade. We're going to get it. We're going to SNES. Like, let's go to wherever it was uh, to, to get it. Um, you know, they wanted Super Mario World to go with that game, but they didn't have Super Mario World at the store. Like, they, it was not the bundle. Like, it was, the, like, oh, the console yeah. was coming. So I don't know what the deal was. But all I know is we got there. And there's, you just couldn't get Super Mario. And you couldn't leave without a game. And yeah. so we were faced with, like, trying to figure out, like, from the scrap heap, like, what game do we go home with? And it was actually this really amazing moment where uh, my friend just ended up randomly picking out uh, Mystical Ninja, like, a oh. fucking amazing cool. Super Nintendo game, which is also, like, two-player and, like, co-op. Like, it was, like, we fell in love with that franchise. But I never would have ever thought to have mm-hmm. played it or picked it out because, like... I was usually going on like what was getting the highest scores in, in like EGM, and I'm sure they liked Mystical Ninja, but it was not like was hyped up pens. in the yeah. same way. Yeah. Um, and like instead, my my friend Dan went home with Mystical Ninja, and oh my god, like that like a game like defined a lot of like the uh, like our our months later of us trying to to bust through that game. So that was actually an instance where like these days kids don't have to worry about like a lack of product right like i mean may, maybe if you're going for the collector's edition but like you go to the GameStop and they're out of whatever okay we'll just go download it on playstation network there's always an option to get the game where like what was so different about that era was 
like literally sometimes you just couldn't get the game and it might be months like there were back during uh during the SNES and the N64 like if they misjudged the popularity of a game like Toys R Us would I remember tell me like uh. actually like we we don't know when that game will be back yeah. in stock like they said it could be next week it could be next month it could be a couple of months from now and sometimes it was a couple of months before like carts showed up so it's like I would end up spending my time like calling individual stores like trying to game out when like cartridges were coming in because the distribution was not even it was not like oh it's Tuesday like new carts are coming in it was just a it was a weirder time um that it's better now like that was that was bad like I I may be nostalgic for it because there was a a certain excitement of like calling a place like they got it like Ghostbusters (laughs) like we got one like mom was getting the car like this Funko Land that's a little bit further than you want to go that has a copy of whatever um and it's just a it's just a different time now it's like hey you want to play Fortnite on mobile you sign up and hope you get picked out of a lottery that you can play it early whenever that game launches like you're gonna be able to download Fortnite on mobile Right. Yeah, and there right. was also the aspect of like if you had to haggle with like the surly teenager to like hold your copy, like no, especially if it was like a weird. To, yeah, they weren't supposed to that. set it aside. <laughs> but you yeah. were the surly teenager, though, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you ever help a kid? Like, oh, you were in high school, right? So like, <clears throat> hang on to a copy of uh, Crash Bandicoot or something. <laughs> I actually never had to do that. So I only worked really in the game kid. department Time you for get like used a week. To some post nine eleven realities. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh my god. I mean, the GameCube, the GameCube thing was definitely a, like a thing. Um, but I remember actually, like, God. Uh, I remember Were you there it being, for a launch. Then I was not working on launch day, but I remember okay. launch day. I went to launch day. Myself yeah. as an employee of the store, <laughs> like did you get preferential treatment? No, like, not at us all. Out there, oh okay. I was going to say, I'm about to get angry at you. I had to take a number. My mom like coordinated an offensive for that. Like it was a military operation. Like we had <laughs> three stores uh, within like sort of a driving range, like range, whatever. Uh, like like <laughs> scoped out. She had excuse spoken me. We use with... we use Luigi dicks uh, now yeah. for oh, length yeah. distances. <laughs> So it was like within three Luigi dicks, uh, you know, there were three stores within the three dick distance, as we can call it, 3D. Uh, 3DD, uh, that, as we call it. 3D means. Okay. Yeah, that's Avatar, Avatar 2 is going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to a lot of alien dong is what that movie is going to be about. It's going to be really good. Also, do you think Luigi's dick is green? We could talk about that later. Uh, what? Wait. <laughs> what? My mom. Green cl- wait. What? I don't know. He's not Yoshi. I mean, what if he is? And that's why he jumps so much higher. Think about oh, okay. it. Think it's about true. it. Think he about does do the wait, wait, wait. But he's definitely shaved a little mustache into a... Uh, oh, my God. Um, uh, he super has! Oh, my God! And look at his nose. It looks exactly like that. That's what it looks like. But wait, does Yoshi do the running jump the same way Luigi does? A little... I mean, it's similar. He kind of has a like little... The, like, okay, so in... in, yeah. in, in, um, in What's the baby Mario one? Yoshi's oh, Island. Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Doesn't he do the little, like, kickoff and then, like, like hover run? Yes. I'm and saying... And doesn't Luigi do that in Mario 2? They jump similarly, is what I'm saying here. Oh, fuck. You're I gonna think crack this Luigi whole case open. is a Yoshi, and he has a green dick. I think that's what I'm saying here. Um... <sighs> Anyway, in the, within the 3DD realm, uh, my mom had, like, talked to the manager at each store to ensure, like, what the process would be. And uh, she picked, like, 
My dad was That's in one car. a very car. good mom thing, oh, by the yeah. way. <laughs> my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, it was like my first girlfriend. I was 17. Uh, she and I were at one store. My mom was at one store. My dad was at another store. And she wow. coordinated the whole thing. And this is like early cell phone days. Like people had cell phones in 2001. Oh, but it wasn't you were like. Texting. You had to actually get on the phone. You had to get point. on the phone. There were, yeah. People did not text. So like you had to get yeah. on the phone. And uh, My Toys R Us that I worked at actually had sort of like the best system. She she had the most faith in that system because the guy there actually like cared about, you know, order order and organizing things and like gave people paper numbers to like, you know, you could sit and wait in your car, but you had a specific number and we got a GameCube. So I, I went out for that offensive and then I got a GameCube that Christmas. It was very nice. I'm sorry. This story went very long. Uh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a that's a war story. That's a that's a worthy you know memory to have. You know, See, just... for me, the toy store was for toys. Like, because again, like PC games. Oh uh, right. There were two avenues for that. Right. One was like uh, EB Games. Mm. Uh, the other one, what was, and this was kind of this probably should have been a sign of what was to come. My favorite place to get video games was actually. Uh, this huge. I don't remember what the name of the catalog was, but you get these little uh, like. Uh, News newsprint like catalog, uh, oh. catalogs full of like one uh, of those like PC CD games. like like CD oh, things like sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and so you'd have to like call in and like <sighs> give them your item number, but it like had everything like stuff that like if I had been like thinking about a game since reading about it in the nineteen ninety five PC Gamer Holiday issue, <laughs> right? And I never <laughs> oh got around God, to it. That that issue was so good. I was <sighs> so excited for that because it was so big. Oh, it's literally like I don't know if it was good, but it was enormous. <laughs> they were huge. I they thought were you were huge. joking, Patrick. I didn't know that you were reading mag. That I I didn't know you were reading that mag. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I was uh, I, I I was deep into PC games. Gotcha. Uh, for a number of years, and then fell out of it like high school, college. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And then didn't get back into it until like five years ago. So. Yeah. Right. So like years could pass, and you could still get those games, but now they'd be cheap. Because basically you're ordering from like a clearing warehouse mm. uh, and then it would show up, you know, sometime later. And so that was how I was starting to consume games. It was like my version of Steam deals, right? right. Uh, <laughs> but oh, nice. that also meant that like the toy store was just for toys. And so like what I started to get into was um, this was this was my favorite shit when I was like uh, this was the last line of toys I got into before like I sort of put the childish things away and embraced my life as a Got future games journalist. Game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the toy store was where they kept the sweet micro machines. Oh, oh fair. Yes. Like, yeah. those were real good miniatures. Like, you like Star Wars shit? They've got like that is a that is True. a perfect looking Tie Fighter. Like those go play the, with those. Those were the only micro machines I got into. I was very much a Hot Wheels kid. Like Hot Wheels are busts. <laughs> uh, oh, I was micro machines all the way. Micro machines are so small. Like they're so micro. That was I get made it. Them awesome. That makes them cool. I appreciated a micro machine. And they're I, decently scaled. Like you. Like I love their fucking post desert storm rah rah American imperialism. <laughs> like you want like realistic God. like M one Abrams tanks and dudes in like desert camo and all. I was like hell yeah I do. Which like I mean I think that that specifically speaks to some of the weirdness around the like nostalgia of this part of our lives because like the thing that made all of that so good in terms of like feel and experience is a sort of naivety of like oh the world is simple I want this cool tank toy 
I am like so excited to go to like uh, uh basically like there isn't a version of Toys R Us in my life anymore. There's nothing in my life where I'm like, yo, I'm gonna walk in this place and it's gonna be surrounded with shit I want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we don't. I, as an adult, just across so- the Williamsburg Bridge, bridge there is a radical bookstore. Okay, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> but even the, but even the radical bookstore probably has some shit where I'd be like, nah, this shit's stupid. Like I hate this. This is bad. Um, you know what I mean, right? That there is like a degree of of kind of like empty consumerism <clears throat> that is allowed to be empty because you, know, you don't fucking know any better or like not even empty. It's like you can get excited for the stuff that in retrospect feels like weird propaganda. Uh, and, and I definitely don't miss it in, in the sense that like I know I'm a, I'm a more complete adult, uh, now, but there is something about that feeling that, that is like, Oh, okay. Like now that I'm a little more conscious of the world, like that's just gone, you know? Yeah. And there's a, there's part of this that, like, I'm connecting back to, like, Ready Player One because there was – I'm sorry to keep quoting people on, on Twitter, but, hey, you know, sometimes people are really smart on Twitter. But Andy McClure uh, tweeted something really interesting and smart on Twitter about Ready Player One and uh-huh. that, like, at the time – you know, in 2009, at the time when it came out, there was, like, a tiny subset of the population, and, and I was part of this, uh, I will admit this, uh, that, like – there was a time where the weird nostalgia of finally being able to buy all your toys was cool. Like, uh-huh. oh, I'm an adult with a job now. Right. Uh, right. Which I was. I was, you know, I was 25 or whatever and had my first, like, full-time job uh, after grad school and was like, you can actually buy all the games you want now. You can buy all the nerdy stuff. You can watch all the TV shows. You can now, you know, you can buy DVDs of Star Trek and all the nerdy right. things that you thought were the coolest shit in the world. When you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when you couldn't afford to buy those things or they weren't readily available is now something you could actually just indulge in and go for. And that was like the appeal of Ready Player One, at least to this subset of the population that I totally like belong to. And this is all tying in a little bit to like there's a nostalgia for the um, like you were saying, Patrick, there's almost a nostalgia for the um for not having everything you want or not having access to everything you want all the time right there are advantages to like having focus right in the right. same way that like that, that's a lot of being an adult is like yeah. you have a, a you know a, a plethora of choice and it's suddenly like then you're you're seeking focus like you're looking right. for ways to like zero in on something because you 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 do have like uh, unlimited choice and that's only changed in our own media diets and there was something uh it's not just nostalgic. I think there is something important about, like, focus that is lost when uh, you have, uh, you know, you can do basically anything you want. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, and, there, and there's like a <clears> – <throat> there's a lot of the choice paralysis aspect of it too, right? Like when mm-hmm. you have uh, – the, the, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the studies about like, oh, when you have 27 flavors of potato chip, you're actually less happy than when there were one or whatever. You know, that whole idea. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a real thing with games as well. Like it, it – I certainly have it uh, whenever I'm not, you know – 
playing something specifically for work or whatever, I sit there and I look at my 500 games and I'm like, I don't know. Instead of when I was a kid and there were three games a year. And also I was like a Nintendo kid. So once the N64 era came, there were three games a year. A, that yeah, were there were two playing. at that point. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and like I played everything and love the shit out of it, whether it was a, a piece of crap or not. You know, it was it was a wonderful time. Video game time was a wonderful time. Um, and I'm not saying that, oh, things were better back then, not in, by any means. But I do think there is that sort of aspect of choice paralysis and also like nostalgia for uh, there was there was only a few things, but they were amazing because par- probably because there were only a few things. Right. Well, that's what makes it. Uh, it's been really interesting. You know, my daughter's a little over a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, she's growing into a world that ha- that will she will always have unlimited choice. There will never be any sort of distribution problem uh for for anything she wants to engage with in any sort of uh uh media um and yet like at the age that she's at uh all i'm looking for is for her to connect with anything at all and it's weird because like she gets uh so excited when she hears, hears like the opening jingle to Coco. Like Coco is her current <laughs> obsession. It's an extremely good movie. Like it's un, it's really well done. Everyone should go see it. But like it, it like when she uh, jumps up and down and screams and uh, gets so excited when she sees like uh, the minions. Like on some level, it's like ah, like it feels a little gross. On the other hand, I'm like, yo, I can go do the dishes. <laughs> and, like it's just like very strange part. Like especially given that we talk a lot about. Like consumerism and branding and like corporate behavior and like how that like intermingles with propaganda. And yet at the same time, like when you're a parent and you're trying to find ways to both like engage slash distract your kid. And there's often like an intermingling of like when you're doing one or the other and sometimes it's both. Um, The way that then ties into different corporate agendas that is often unavoidable. uh, is it's weird. It's just like I don't like come down on it one or the other. It's more just like a weird thing that like I'm ex- I'm excited for my kid when they're excited for something, right? But then it's totally. like you step back and go, oh, they're excited for um, the illumination logo because she has watched all of the the secret life of pets and all the and and, uh, mm-hmm. and all these other movies that are made by this company so now she she knows that before the illumination logo is the universal studios logo because right. she has watched the minion movies that many times and she's getting excited for minions but she's getting excited for minions and get because a corporate logo is coming before that. There is something weird about that even if it's not inherently evil for right, like right, right. what it means for her but there is like it's still, I watch it sometimes and go, huh. <laughs> Even if, like, I, ultimately there's not much I can do about it. Every once in a while, I th- I have just, like, the strongest, like, memory, like, very, very, very strong memories of, like, that sort of being a kid and being excited over something ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and, and in retrospect, being like, my dad must have thought that I was just so, <laughs> just so ridiculous. He's such a little kid who didn't know shit about shit. Or they're like... My mom really put up with some bullshit for me, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, but at the same time, the thing that they did was also, and it sounds like the thing that you're excited to do with Jessica is like lean, like look for that thing that is actually exciting for the kid and like, le- like figure out how to make that a really healthy and positive thing. So like for me, like my parents knew I love video games. My parents knew I love the X-Men and like comics and, and, and superheroes and, and stuff. And so they like figured out how to make those really productive things. Like, 
very much were into me reading comics because it meant reading, you know, and it meant yeah. like, and, and not just like into me reading comics, like, okay, go, you can, you're allowed to read comics. Like, would ask me questions about the comics that I liked, would ask me about who my favorite characters were and what they did, and not just, like, what their superpowers were, but, like, tell me about Storm. Like, you know, tell me about Storm. Like, what's up with Storm? Uh, and and that, like, helped Engage, me... Engage you with comprehension. Totally, yeah. because, like, if I have to explain to somebody why I like something, like, yes, it's going to start with Storm has dope weather powers. You know <laughs> what I mean? But also it's going to be like, well, Storm has, you know, has uh, this this situation where she was a she was a goddess in in Africa and like blah 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 blah, and then like she has responsibilities, but also like she's trying to like community, you know, help the 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 mutant community across the world, and like and that suddenly there is more there. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's like it's finding like realizing like you can't teach a kid like the problems of corporate America, like and some and the way that media is delivered. And it's just the way it is. So it's like finding silver linings in that. And right. It's like, okay, this is the situation. Like, my kid is is going to be into what they're into. I can only guide it for so much. Otherwise, <laughs> like, it's just not – there's only, only like, so much control you have as a parent. So then how do you, like, find a way to, like, yeah, like, exactly that. Like, and mind you, comprehension, like, mind interest, like, encourage reading. It's like yes. – like, that's why it's, you know, that's how my parents often dealt with, like, my interest in video games was like – Oh, like he's playing a lot of these RPGs. There's a ton of like reading. There's it's, words like, in those. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, like, like you know, they didn't necessarily. So like your parents maybe engaged with it a little more than than my parents did, but like it was also true when I would hear from it later, where like that's how they would talk about it amongst themselves. Of like, well, he's reading like essentially right. like six novels when he's playing these games. <laughs> like okay, like that there are worse things for him to be doing. Right, right. Um, I, yeah. The, the the other thing really quick is just like. The, to get really briefly to, to your point, Patrick, the there is going to be a time, like unless you're homeschooling your kids, there is going to be a time when they are exposed to these things in school, and the choice is very much like how like do you let that be the the only place where they get that exposure, or do you engage with it also as a parent and like try to dig into it and try to like actually be the the locus of that stuff because uh, otherwise you're, it's just going to happen behind closed doors and you're just like not going to fucking know you know yeah that's it's the, the equivalent was when we were kids uh my uh one of my good friends uh his mom a very nice woman but it was very like specific about uh like no it was basically no beavis and butthead was the thing at the time and beavis and butthead let me tell you very popular amongst kids oh, yeah. that knew they weren't supposed to talk oh, beavis yeah, and butthead totally. and, and part of the reason uh, all the kids would hang out at uh, at my house was it was the closest uh, from the the bus stop that we were all on. But also, my mom would let us watch Beavis and Butthead. And my mom's <laughs> and my mom's whole thought process was like, it was like it's something I've taken away and I thought a lot about as you know how I'm going to deal with similar situations as a parent was like. Just like be there and like like watch it and monitor it. Like so there was more of a, a situation of like if it's going to happen, like understand what the kids are watching and yeah. like engage with them on it and like there's limits to all that right like you know and how why they're gonna let your kids go and you got to draw a line somewhere but like you know but all that happened was that this mom thought like hell yeah like my kids aren't watching beavis and butt and it's like no actually they're watching south park and beavis and butt around the corner (laughs) and like you're just pretending like you're a better parent than you are rather than sort of like fully understanding like i'd rather fully understand the even if it's shitty stuff, the stuff that like my, my kids are into, as mm-hmm. opposed to just like pretending like I'm the superhero kid, the parent, and like 
they're not seeing that stuff. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna watch it on their fucking kid their, their friend's iPhone when they're playing Fortnite uh, at the lunch table. Are you gonna try to do the thing? I, I've always wondered if I would do this if I ever became a parent and had you know school age child of like to get them out of it. Pretend I love it so much that it's not cool anymore. Like I always yeah. worry about like that could backfire real bad. Like okay, my kid loves you know whatever. Jake Paul or Logan Paul or something. <laughs> Do I like yeah. buy Logan Paul t-shirts and wear them around the house and be like, what's that bro doing today? Kids like over enthusiastic, <laughs> like try to like counterinsurgency. Like <laughs> it's a very Danielle maneuver. I'm very into this. This is very good. <laughs> or will yeah, I, I see I through I that? I, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, I think part of it depends on like the personality yeah, of your yeah. kids and like the relationship you have and like whether like hormones and stuff like that have kicked in like to where, <laughs> You know, like uh, anti-parent uh, sort of like attitudes are prevalent. Like where maybe a, a counterinsurgency is not going to help and gets them to double down. Like I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, I would hope. It actually sounds like I'd, I'd like to be something like Austin's parents, where it's like you talk to them about it, like in a way that maybe it's not necessarily showing. Like I'm super into comics with you too. It's more just like, like what are you up to? Like what do you think about that thing? Um, I care because you like care. A way that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or just you know, that's one way to find out what your kids think. Because if you ask, if you know, if you ask your kid what they're thinking, they're probably not going to tell you. But if you can ask around the question, you know, yeah. maybe that's a more uh, a better way to understand where your your kid's head is at. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll report back uh, an, an episode nine thousand of Waypoint Radio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. years from now. See how that's going, Rob. Do you have any uh, amazing uh, friends who let you watch shows that, uh, or were you that friend? Were you that kid who got to watch all the stuff? Uh, I saw pretty much everything and I wasn't supposed to. Well, no, like, I mean, my dad like taught some film at a community college, right? Like, I mean, I was being introduced to things that there was no way, like (laughs) there was basically the dad edit of Goodfellas, uh, for instance, uh, (laughs) which had pretty much everything. Like, uh, like, I think the only thing he sort of left out were some of like, I think, um, where uh, the dude they murder bats. Uh, I don't think like I saw him stabbed to death in like real time, but I did see it fast forwarded. Uh, so like that's kind of how I grew up is basically like, well, we shouldn't be watching this, but well, the shield is pretty tough. Is a pretty tough show, but it's real good. I think I think you get a lot out of it. Like I mean, awesome. everything everything is falling into place, Rob. Once really I started, is. like I, I read Cash Twenty Two when I was like eleven. Oh, wow. And my dad was like, you probably shouldn't be reading this. And then, like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, but I think I'm really into it. Like, what's going on with, uh, you know, Snowden and all that stuff? It seems like. And he was like, oh, you're, you're, you're really into this. That's cool. I really want to talk to you about Cash 22. Continue reading, son. <laughs> God. I love that, though. I, like, I don't, ah, man. It seems like that would actually be a really good way of engaging intellectual curiosity and sort of. Maybe you are the person you are today, Rob, because your dad was like, hey, read Catch-22 and, and chat with me about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like, the first, like, sexual content I ever read was literally about Italian prostitutes in <laughs> occupied Italy during the war. Oh, my God. That explains one of everything whom, about yeah, This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, oh. like, I, I mean, this is, like, that, that probably wasn't the right way to handle a lot of things. Like, 
I'm not Luigi's sure, like, dick. the yeah, Luciana chapter was something I needed to see when I was 11 years old. Yeah. I don't think I needed to see Arfie, like, kill a sex worker when I was, like, 11 years old. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's some bad shit that you don't know how to process. Like, I think I benefited a lot from that sort of, like, neglect in some ways or <laughs> facilitation. Uh, but I think it also taught me some lessons about, like, stick around to make sure stuff is properly contextualized. <laughs> yes yes that sounds like a very good and balanced approach um yeah <laughs> so basically I'll, i'm gonna delete i'm gonna delete this book from jessica's kindle is what you're saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go her her her, her, her or rather was whatever that, the yeah. whatever the contact is that goes into her eyes that allows her to read through <laughs> her lenses oh uh, yeah well, i mean that's a whole other different thing right is like the so much of my childhood was this like I have so many clear memories of my dad being like, one day we're going to be able to play like Joe Montana football, like with each other across the country. You'll be away <laughs> at college somewhere and Aww. there's going to be this thing called the internet. And I was like, all right, dad, sure. Uh, and now I, we don't actually play well, Madden or anything. It was called SegaNet. It was called SegaNet. That's true. Uh, that's, that's probably what I said at the time. I was like, dad, that exists already. It's called SegaNet. Come on. <laughs> oh, I thought you were a serious gamer. Um, <laughs> My dad and I played Lynx together all the time for oh, years. Like that's we very, had like Lynx tournaments that's together. Very good. Uh, it was great. My dad like took him ages to learn how to mouse correctly. Uh, when he started, because like we just bought a PC, we were completely naive of it. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a. Uh, we got a Packard Bell, like 386 or something. Uh, we had to upgrade it to a VESA card uh, to play Lynx. But my dad didn't know what to make of the mouse. And so he oriented it like it was a Ouija board uh, thing and would hold it like that. Like his right thumb was the uh, – his right thumb was the – left mouse button oh my uh, god yeah and it was all like <laughs> and he would just like inverted. move it in like big sweeps like <laughs> yeah yeah how'd and that so, help his golf game <laughs> oh he got real good at it. he like he was great it was like it was like those dudes with the uh the tall putters uh that was oh, that was yes, totally uh-huh. him he was just like he would he would like perfectly align a shot and like that thumb control, man, it was really, it was really on point. Uh, he'd be, he'd be I'm, draining these like thirty-eight foot putts down a slope, and I'd be like, "Damn!" I'm trying the Zachney method of mouse control currently. I love it. This is it. I'm doing this from now on. I am going to start playing Fortnite. I'm going to be the best. Get ready. That's how you. That's how you construct. It's like you, right. you got to put your hand around the, the the mouse that way. Yes, exactly. God, seems worth it. Totally. Um, so if we, if well, we oh, sorry, a- the, the whole point that I was trying to make before, I just realized I didn't finish the point, which is, you're right, Patrick, your kid is going to grow up and have all sorts of weird fucking technology, and it's going to be weird. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's uh. if, you know, we're not in, like, a nuclear bunker, I guess, you know. But even that, it'll be like, you're, you're sitting there, like, with your, like, carbon scrubber, like, hooked up to your HVAC unit in your house. And meanwhile, like, Patrick's daughter is just going to be like, well, actually, I got a CO2 adapter for my lungs. Uh, <laughs> I, just I just drink that shit now. Yeah, and totally. Danielle, this is what offline modes are for. Just go into Netflix, you cue it to your actual there device, you and there then you you're good to go. There it is. It's true. There it's it is. True. Yeah, I've I've I've, lo- I've long thought about uh, um, when I, I felt a little bit like this when Snapchat came along. Like I understood Snapchat on like a like a the- like a theoretical level, but I just it didn't do anything for me like in terms of like actually engaging with the application. And I wonder, like that was like the first bridge of like oh. Like, I'm old and just, like, 
don't even have the curiosity to figure out what this thing. Like, I know what it is, but like, I just don't feel like engaging with it. I was like, okay, that's one marker. And like, there is going to be similar markers, like as a parent and child relationship, like where, where does that, even as someone that like writes about technology, like in some part, like their job, my job will continue to be to understand on like a holistic level, what's happening at some point there will be like some raw disconnect and I just, I, I'm, I'm wondering when that moment, it'll probably be sooner than I think, like given how quickly kids adapt to technology. I mean, my daughter knows the basics of how an iPad works. She doesn't know like what to open, but like she knows how to swipe and she knows how to click on things. Um, yeah. And at some point, I, the, w- when does she outpace me? And I sit back and go, oh, fuck. It'll happen. <laughs> right. Soon. Right? Probably sooner than later. Or what is the thing, uh, this is a conversation I was having with another parent, was like, what is the thing where, like, I draw the line on, where, like, a kid, like, uh, a certain generation embraces a certain technology, and you, the the intellectual, says, actually, it's bad, and you shouldn't be doing that, right? (laughs) Like, at some point, there will be a thing that, like, you think as as an older person, like, ah, like, you know, no, that's bad for you. And I just wonder, when, like, is that like like chips in the skin? Is it is it, it? I don't know what that is, but like at some point there will be some sort of line in the sand that happens to everyone. And I just I, I wonder when Toys R Us too when they bring back Toys R Us. <laughs> like, this is a greedy reboot. This isn't the real shit. Where's Jeffrey? Huh, String? Where's Jeffrey String? Where's Jeffrey? Jeffrey's <laughs> off trying to solve the opiate crisis. Yeah. Oh. Uh, listen, a, a giraffe has to make a living. You know, look, we're in the seventh term of the Trump administration. Oh Everyone else has resigned. Jeffrey, the AI, went in and just he was the only one left. The opium czar. Jeffrey, the neocon. Children are traumatized oh by pictures of Don Jr. posing with Jeffrey's head. Oh my head. god! Oh no! Jesus Christ! Oh my god! That's We're a really good today. image. Uh, for people listening, it's been a long week here at Waypoint HQ, and I think it's showing. I think I it's think showing. It might be. Our, all of our divergences today. It might be. There's Luigi's dick and Jeffrey's severed head, and, and you know, it's okay. It's okay. Let's go to the question Jeffrey, bucket. Jeffrey gave his brain over to a new startup that kills you, takes your brain, uh, presses it away, the and then... Into yeah, consciousness, the, not dead. But he's dead. It'll kill you, you know, I just so you know, yeah. full disclosure. Yeah. Full disclosure. Small price to pay for immortality. You'll be dead, but immortal. You'll be able to know what happens in Infinity War 4, and so, yeah, come on. And in Trump's seventh term, so, you know, yeah. you'll, it'll, it'll be worth it, for sure. Austin, there's a question here that I think you'll like uh, a lot. Uh, sure. Are you ready for a question that's very Austin? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, this question is, where do mechs end in giant we robots? We did this. You, okay. you were, it was Monday. We did this on Monday. You know what? You were out. It's fine. I'm it's sorry. fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cars are, are mechs, too. If you, you want to listen to the Friday episode, let me tell I you real quick. Cars are mechs, show, too. and you're right. No, this is a Wait, different, you this is a different this? question. Wait, really? This isn't about cars being mechs. I was on Monday's show, and this is not okay, about Okay, what's this one? This one is, where do mechs end and giant robots start? Is the human pilot the machine? Would oh, make- this is different. Yeah, I was, okay, all right. Jeez, okay. I, I had a moment there. It's like was- an extension of a previous one, though. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's related. It's in the same the same cinematic universe. Right. It's related. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Would that make BT-7274 a robot and a mech? Would he only be a mech when a human is inside him and a robot when operating alone? Wait, the horse mech is a mech, so does that mean any organic controller makes it a mech, 
not a robot. Yeah, like- mechs have to have pilots, okay. technically. Robots can drive themselves. BT is both a mech and a robot. Okay. That's what my is- very quick and dirty what response. What is BT from? Sorry. Titanfall. Titanfall uh, 2. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. I was like, Optimus Prime, not a mech. Optimus Prime isn't piloted, right? Optimus Prime is a robot, which is rad. I like robots. But the word robot inside of, like, mecha and the extended mecha, like, world does also just mean giant. Like, all mechs are robots, but not all robots are mechs is really the way that the fandom works. Inside of, like, the mech fandom, there are, uh, especially in Japan and, like, associated fandoms, there's kind of a divide between types of giant robots and mechs. There are real robots, quote-unquote, and there are super robots. Gigantor, uh, the the Pacific Rim robots are really on the line, but, like, um, Mazinger Z, like, a lot of, like, I'm trying to think of what's a popular, like, Big O, if you ever saw Big O, um, anything that, like, has, uh, the Power Rangers robot, Super Robot, right? Okay. That's a Super Robot. It's, like, a big, goofy, colorful, fun, um, you know, they can do weird shit with giant swords. They draw their power from the sun, like, you know, very super heroic, um, like, more like Superman than Iron Man. Iron Man, real mech, real robot. Gundam, real robot. Uh, Battletech, real robot. They're not real robots, to be clear. Those don't really exist. <laughs> but inside of the categorization, we call those real robots. I'm much more of a real robot person than a super robot person, which which people think means that I'm just no fun, which is true. So that's my... <laughs> That's right, my where does quick and dirty thing. Come in here, though. Is that just totally different? That's just an android. I, or? Uh, not all robots are sentient, right? So like, right. I don't think we have like a quick and dirty word for like the quick and dirty word for sentience is sentience. So like right. some robots are sentient. Mechs can be sentient, but uh, they don't have to be. And I don't think sentience prevents them from being a mech. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad so, we BT, cleared that up. Mech and robot, we're good to go on that front. Okay. All right. Well, I'm happy about that. Uh, does anybody else have any parting parting thoughts about uh, toys, mechs. toys R Us oh, or Max? Okay. <laughs> I'm letting I'm letting there be room for Toys R Us and Max. I will. I, sorry. I'll tell one more story and then I will I will close it out. And that is my mom is the greatest person ever <clears throat> because uh, I was such a little tomboy and I played with pretty much exclusively boys' toys, quote unquote, uh, micro machines and Legos, et cetera, et cetera. And she thought that. Uh, she once conveyed to a poor Toys R Us salesperson that she thought it was really crappy that there weren't any girls in Lego ads because they seemed like a, a not gendered toy. And uh, my mom is really great. So that's a story about my mom. Shout outs to Danielle's mom. She's, really, she's a real one. She's she's awesome. My mom is rad as hell. Uh, and as she would say, I, in her honor, I will close out the podcast uh, with her accent. <clears throat> Send questions to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. Shout outs to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And everything you can uh, read from us is at waypoint.vice.com. Austin, where can we find you online? I'm uh, trying to figure out what Nintendo's going to do next. Because first they gave us Mario Nipples and now they're giving us Luigi Bulge. What's third? What's coming next? Yoshi. What do we got? Yoshi tongue. No, no. Tongue All right, related. Well, I'm done. Peace, <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Patrick, where can we find you online? Find me at Patrick Clovick. Small aside, if you're bummed with Toys R Us because you like to go places where there are tons of toys and you like to look at them and have your kids run around, like do a search. There are uh, actually a surprising number of like. 
little boutique uh, uh, homegrown uh, toy stores, like, you know, both in the city and in the suburbs. Like, I've been shocked when I've actually taken the time to look around that, like, there are more of them than you think. And uh, while it is certainly sad um, that Toys is closing, if you're, like, interested in sort of keeping that sort of stuff alive in the world of e-commerce, uh, like, go out and try and support buying stuff from your, your local place. Yeah. Uh, Rob, where can we find you? At Rob Zachney on Twitter. Amazing. I'm at Daniela Rye, and I'd like to tell you to be good and be good at it. Peace. Please, God, let us go. Let us give, give us peace, please. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.